0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we are going to introduce the VIP of the panel, the one, the only, Mr. Jason Onspock.
1: Hey, guys.
0: Oh, he's in his incognito. So he's actually taking a page from Nick Paul's playbook, and he's actually on a stakeout, so he can't really show his face because you know, he'd be giving away the location, but, you know, it happens.
2: You guys without your faces, man.
0: In deep cover. deep cover. Didn't you just listen? Jiminy Crickets. All right, so Jason, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, let's treat this like a job interview. So when they ask that question, you say, what would you like to know?
0: Um <clears throat> okay. <laughs>
2: That's not what you runners. say. You should have already tailored it by looking at the application that you were doing to know how to answer that.
0: So so who are you? What do you write? And um who have you made cry today? Uh well I haven't made
1: anyone cry unless JR from that uh, JR have you cried? earlier. Did you cry? It was onions, man. It was the onions. Okay, all right. Rats. Okay. Uh in that case. Uh, Nobody has cried. I I am Jason Onsbach. I have written several science fiction books and uh, less fantasy books, but I think I qualify really for both panels because the fantasy books are selling really well. I co-created Galaxy's Edge, co-created Forgotten Ruin, uh, Wayward Galaxy, lots of books that some of you may have listened to or read.
0: Okay. Some people read these days. How weird. I prefer audio.
2: He is a Dragon Award winner.
1: Oh yeah, Ooh. I am a Dragon Award winner. Two time nominee. Lost the first time to David Weber.
2: Well, uh, I mean, it's David Weber.
1: Yeah, well, and then we uh then we kneecapped him. And uh <laughs> after that, yeah, we won the next year. He wasn't he wasn't writing after that.
2: You you made you made him uh in honor Harrington. Is that what it happened?
1: Yeah, that's that's basically it. That's that's what that's what happened. And so we
2: so just now that now that the entire Royal Menkorian Navy is going to be coming after you. Would you like to continue on
0: with this episode? I mean, now? he's got his own legion. It's okay. Yeah, I've, we've got a legion. Yeah, absolutely,
1: <laughs> we've got a legion. They've got a navy. I don't know. I think I'll take the legion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we first found them. So. I will start this time. So, mentioning the noir setting, I actually first found Jason and Nick at the same time when they were doing an interview about Legionnaire on the Keystroke Medium podcast.
2: Wait, Legionnaire, and the disease or Legion?
0: Legionnaire, is in someone who's in the Legion.
2: Okay, sorry.
0: Cheese, doc. Not everything's medical. So, sure I found them on. You say so. On, uh, I found them on the uh, the interwebs as you do, and it said, "Man, that sounds interesting. Let me read it." Because their pitch was uh, stormtroopers in Afghanistan, but they can hit what they're aiming at. So yeah,
1: uh, the whole concept—they can actually shoot.
0: And so from there, I just stalked him as you do, and mm-hmm. you know, here we are. Yep, so how I, about I remember you? That
1: day, I invited you inside for dinner, and I was—I thought you were a homeless guy, but <laughs>
0: nope, I'm just a stalker. All right. First, he insults me. Then he makes me cry. Now he's insulting my style and wardrobe. Ouch.
2: You know what? No,
0: it's chic, man. It was very grunge.
2: It could be worse. He's not insulting the face.
1: Oh, yeah. JR is quite handsome. That's why he doesn't use the camera.
0: Ladies won't leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Doc? How did you first find him?
2: So I first found him because you were like, why don't you know what this is? And I'm like, because you know how many bazillion books there are in the world and um and then jason was coming to dragon con and reached out to me and well you reached out to me on behalf of jason and you were like you need to tell him what to do like
1: i had no clue oh
2: oh, okay so you want me to be bossy with a total stranger i i can dig that if they want
0: So uh, Jason, she's not as widely read as she said. She has this obsession with like certain authors. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get her to understand that Pern is a fantasy novel, but there are more fantasy novels out there than just Pern. So she just gets really upset by that. And like, it's just, it's a thing we're working on it.
2: It is not my fault that you don't know good literature. Well, you (laughs) do know good literature, but Pern is not a fantasy.
0: (laughs) All right, all
2: right. So-
0: so, uh, Doc, you get to ask him the important questions.
2: Okay. So, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
1: Oh, well, I like Star Wars more. But let me just say that if we're taking them now as a whole, right? <laughs> Firefly is the only one that hasn't turned into a big, giant pile of suck. And that's because they had to put it down. So, like,
2: they put it down, were down before it, it died.
1: Right, yeah. If you would have asked this question like in 1996, I would have said, "Oh, yeah, I'm a Star Trek. totally." If you would have asked it in like 2003, I'd have been like, eh, "I don't know." I, Star Trek, I think, gets the edge. Now, everything's terrible.
0: <coughs> Indeed.
2: So now that you've made people cry, we're going to switch to fantasy.
1: You guys so- know I'm right. It's it's you know you know I mean, but you, you can always go back and watch the Voyage Home anytime you want. And feel like, I remember when all this was good.
2: Okay. So, Star... Um, sorry. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Or Lord of the Rings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, diamonds. Or a pile of dog crap. <laughs> or... <laughs> um, from the Lord, Lord of the Rings. Like, just, just far and away Lord, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Not even... Not the other two aren't even close, right? Um, far and away, Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter was was entertaining, um, and Game of Thrones is like, uh, let's just Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
0: not a big fan of Grimdark.
1: Uh, oh no, I am a fan of Grimdark. Um, no, he's
2: just not a fan of incest.
1: Yeah, but but Game of Thrones is like a soap opera. Without electricity, right? I mean, let's just be like, it's an incest soap but we opera.
2: We do have Starbucks.
1: Oh yeah, I was about they do to Starbucks. Say that Starbucks yeah, the water. Without, without electricity, so um, no, I, I don't think that anything can compare to what Tolkien did, um, it, by any stretch. But well, I think
2: Potter Tolkien was, it really has kind of the advantage of being basically the pillar and foundation of the genre.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And and you know what? Like it's like it's the king. People come for it. Um, and I think that might be one of my uh, one of my gripes with Game of Thrones in general. Just anytime any author is like, "Well, here's what Tolkien did wrong," I'm just like and, and that's we have to with that. So, but yeah.
2: So, which one is your favorite? The fantastical fantasy or sci-fi? Which was your first love?
1: Um, I liked fantasy first. And the science fiction that appealed to me was in that Star Wars vein, which is much more of a space opera fantasy style. Star, yes. Wars, uh, fan, You know, I, like I never got into uh, hard science fiction that that really bored me. Um, I think that's why I liked initially Star Trek, Star Wars more than Star Trek for for those same reasons. I just wanted to have fun and use my imagination. So, the fantasy that I tend to write and that I'm drawn to, or the science fiction I write and I'm drawn to tends to be the same way. I I like the fantastical elements. And I think that a a kind of nebulous, futuristic science fiction setting is a great way to tell fantasy if you wanna get out of uh, kind of the old lost golden ages, but definitely a fantasy guy at heart.
2: Okay. So what is it that you love about the the genre?
1: I think fantasy allows you to tell uh, things that we kind of all know to be true. Uh, about human nature, about what's virtuous, what's what's worthy, what's right, uh, in a lot of different ways and settings. A lot of times, that's all we're doing is retelling either the hero's journey, or we're reminding ourselves that sacrifice for good is a good thing, that um, being honorable is a good thing. There's just so many different aspects of humanity. Um, the realities of death and pain and suffering and loss, all those things can happen in a fantasy setting and have happened in a fantasy setting over and over and over again. And what I love about it is that you can kind of reset the stage, but then let these plays play out again and again and again. And it just feels exciting each time you go through it. Um, There's only so many archetypes and there's only so many uh, story arcs and and beats and plot devices and tropes and, and things like that. But... But a really well done one, whether you're reading Conan or whether you're reading something that's uh, more modern, you just get that sense of like, yeah, I feel this. I know this. I can connect with this as a human being on this level.
2: I think sometimes also it allows us to kind of come to grips with certain concepts that are really hard for us to deal with just straight on. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I was reading uh, a book and it had a pandemic in it. And it was a very specific pandemic. And it was just interesting because it came out beginning of last year. It's the second to last in the Kalina P- Price series. I cannot remember the last the, the book. But it was really, it actually kind of helped deal with the, some of the COVID stuff because it was dealing with it. But it wasn't straight on, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: So, um, but yes. right.
1: I mean, that's how I dealt with um, all those orcs that were constantly attacking my house. And I thought... <laughs> I get it now. They're evil (laughs) beings worthy of nothing but the blade.
0: Uh, Plot twist. That was actually the IRS agent coming to collect their taxes, but oops.
2: No, it was Disney trying to uh, convince you that you should give up the name and uh, let them just have the the theme park.
1: I mean, they definitely are orcs, so that that fits pretty
0: well. (laughs) So what was your first memory of (laughs) sci-fi or fantasy?
1: Ah... It was uh, this terrible cover of The Hobbit. My dad gave me a little paperback Bantam box set that had um, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit in it. And uh, you've probably seen it, JR. It's floating out there. But like it was like this really really fat Bilbo, and like this Gollum with a long pointy nose. It was really poorly done, and I didn't read it for the longest time because I was like, "How is this entertaining in any way, shape, or form?" Like it was the fattest, most portly Bilbo. His his double chin was just pure, just a big fat round head. Um, there was nothing adventurous about it at all. So it just sat forever, and then when I finally read it, I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Um, but that's that's my my earliest memory that I can you know, specifically put you. I'm sure I saw glimpses of like Ice Pirates or something like that on HBO uh, prior to that date, but that one at least stands out in my mind.
0: So how did your love of, the, we're going to shift to sci-fi because that's what we're, we're talking about. How did your love of that shift into you writing novels in, in the science fiction genre?
1: Um, I think I just like to make stuff up. And that's, that's the answer. I like to make stuff up and I like it to be weird stuff. That's not real stuff. I don't want to make up like two guys that could live down my block going to work every day and then their mom dies and then they have to rediscover their brotherhood. And it's all for, I mean, that happens all the time. I see that all the time. I want to write something that's exciting. That's like,
2: that's what lifetime TV is for.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's called literature, but I I don't really (laughs) like that at all. That's kind of, You know, I get it. People fall in love. They have to deal with past trauma. Blah blah. I want blasters
2: (laughs) and blades.
1: And blades and And podcasts.
0: Outstanding. So so many authors let their own real-world experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any formidable moments that ship you uh shape you as a storyteller? Were you abducted by aliens as a kid? Anything cool?
1: Um I saw flight of the navigator a bunch of times. So that pretty me much too. Good. being abducted by aliens. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, I think, yes, I can't say here's the pivotal moment that comes up again and again, but um, I think a lot of authors or maybe it's just me have a strong sense of empathy. And if you allow yourself at night, you can lay in bed and just start letting your mind drift to the most horrible, terrible things um and picture them like they're really happening and sort of saying what would happen if this terrible thing took place um or recall difficult times or good times and so i think in writing uh, all those little aspects uh, whether it's pain or or, or pleasure or excitement or anything else uh, will just pop up and and then you just know how to apply that to the character so uh, whether it's loss of a loved one whether it's uh, disappointment fear all those things are just human emotions and you just go ahead and write it down but add laser swords
2: that is very fair right. yeah. yep. um, so transitioning away from the writing side for a bit we're going to segue into some fandom have you gotten any cool fan art or had a co- fan cosplay your character yet
1: yeah we have we've got some uh we've got some amazing uh galaxy's edge we call them lieges or insiders, depending on who they are, but we've got some amazing guys and girls who have set up uh, 3D printing models and they've printed out their own armor. Um, they're replicating the blasters and, and all the weaponry like that. I think at Dragon Con, before COVID canceled the world, I think there was even some plans for a group of Legionnaires to kind of get together and start that first Galaxy's Edge contingent. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do that this year if all goes well. but we've got so many awesome people that do so much when it comes to art or memes or anything else. Um, if you are on Facebook, go look up the Galaxy's Edge fan club. You, you'll be able to hang out with JR over there um, as well. But just the level of stuff that they're doing is so cool. Uh, oh, yeah. Legos, like custom made Legos. How freaking cool is that? Like that's uh that's that's super awesome. And Jr., I don't know if you've talked on the show about it or not, but like we have a guy that does custom Legos. He made not only custom Legionnaires, but he's made a custom JR Handley Lego. Um, he's made a custom Jason Onsbach Lego. Aww. Lots of cool stuff. It's it's the best fandom in existence, bar none. Like, because they spend their time just being happy and talking about the, the stuff instead of hating each other for
0: not liking it the right way. So they have they had somebody, they had somebody make a bucket, which is the helmet in the uh, for the armor. Nice, which was kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, awesome.
2: that's a sexy helmet.
0: It is. Yeah. Uh, he actually, fun fact, uh, Jason, when he's mowing his yard, he wears just his ranger panties and that helmet, and that's all he wears when he just cuts his grass. His neighbors complain, they've called the cops a few times. But yeah, you know, this we'll is we'll how
2: rumors it. get started.
1: No, it's true. That's where I got the idea from for subs. <laughs> you know, that story.
2: Okay, so has have you been caught in the wild away from a book signing or a convention and had somebody ask for your autograph?
1: Um, yes, I've had uh, people that, I mean, this isn't too wild, but I've had people that deliver packages like Amazon packages and stuff that put two and two together and have asked me to sign uh, their books for their kids and things like that. Aww. So that's happened. Um, I have seen uh, people wearing our merch, um, but they didn't actually ask me for anything. And my wife said it would be weird if I went up to them and say, oh, you like that, huh? And and then kind of like.
2: Apparently, the thing is not to say something positive. You're supposed to say something self-deprecating or Mm. mean about yourself and make the person defend you. If you ask Larry or Robert Ross, that's what they do.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I, I just I, I my thought is to go up and be like, hey, you like Galaxy's Edge. Let's list all the things that are great about Jason Onspock. And then <laughs> as long as they'll stay there doing that, I'm happy.
0: So this, so, is, this is one of the Legos uh, just because I happen to have it readily available.
2: Just have it, um,
0: uh, I'm looking for a
1: wonderful story.
0: The Reservist.
2: Yes, I oh. love the Reservist, by the way.
0: Thank you, Jason. Helped. It's Shake and Bacon. He helped.
2: Yeah. So, has, uh, have you ever spotted anybody reading your book in the wild?
1: Uh, I mean, I saw someone at the library pick it up and thumb through it and put it down. So that was pretty much a highlight. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: no, it's okay. It was. It was. It was like on a big table of like local author favorites. I don't think that they were looking for uh, military science fiction. She seemed kind of like she was into knitting, honestly.
2: I'm into knitting and I read Tuff well, of Mill SF.
1: He seems like she's really, really into knitting. Like she wants to read Cozies about knitting. Oh, dear.
2: <laughs> I have those too.
0: Oh, it was Wait, you. That's a thing. I thought he was joking. Uh uh-uh.
1: uh. There's something for everyone, JR.
2: Get with All the program, right. JR. Pick up a hobby.
1: Okay. And then.
2: Um, so, what is the weirdest or funniest interaction you've ever had with a, with a fan uh, since you started writing?
1: Um, boy, what did what did happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, you know, I remember being at a conference and uh, and uh, I had a name badge on, and, and someone someone came up to me and saw the name badge and recognized me, and they were wearing like a really kind of like they're wearing a pink shirt with like a Fabio romance cover, but they knew who I was and they asked if they could take a selfie. And so I was like, okay. And then I never saw them again. And I just kind of wonder about that person all the time. I wonder about their shirt, about why you wear like, you know, a Fabio romance cover shirt, but know a military science fiction author by name at least. And, um, that, that's, that's it. I've, uh, our fans are so cool that I don't know that anything else like really crazy has happened. I've sat and talked with them for uh, hours on end and met some really cool people that I'll still like, we'll still text back and forth because they're just, they're, they're cool. But, um, but, but as far as like funny interactions, that would be the closest one. And I, I just wish I had that picture.
2: <laughs> so this is, can you list the highlights or maybe your favorite child of book that you've written so that our listeners know where, what else you do?
1: Wait, a book from my childhood that I wrote? No, 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 it's no. Called no. the California. I, I'm,
2: so, I'm sorry, I, I got up really early. This is pretty. So everything that you've written as mm-hmm. Jason Onsbach. So I jokingly mm-hmm. call it "List Your Favorite Child." Sometimes. Oh,
1: I get it. Because
2: All right. so you spend so much time invested in these books.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: creating them and editing them and.
1: Right. Well, I would say um, you should read Legionnaire, which is the first Galaxy's Edge book uh, because there's a lot of them and and you can just really explore that series and kind of get a good Mm -hmm. sense for for all that writing. So that that would be number one. Uh, Number two, like that's if you like really strong military science fiction, if you like something that's a little bit like funnier, I would say read Wayward Galaxy, um, which is just kind of getting its start. Book one's come out um last year book 2 is going to be out in July and that book is military science fiction but it, it features a really fun AI named Brody who was cultured uh, as he became aware by 1980s action movies and sees the world through the lens of John Matrix
2: That sounds like a lot of fun
1: Yeah that's a great book and if you listen to the audiobook RC Bray does a fantastic
0: job with the Brody character especially all right i found the lego of jason yeah there's lego me i'll leave that off for a little bit so those uh those all sound fascinating uh including your your bromance with the great uh, rc bray but uh today we're going to talk about your book wayward galaxy which is the first book in a series by that name it's one of the uh most popular in the galaxy's edge discord Spinoff series you guys have written, not the most popular, but it's it's up there. It's up so where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with the idea for it? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, uh, overindulging, and expired dad jokes?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all of the above.
0: Um, Do
2: those expire? Yeah, apparently, apparently.
1: It's looking yeah. really Just, funny. Jarrah's dropping knowledge on us. Um, I think that that book was was two things. One, it was the thought of oh, it would be cool to write a story where we've got some kind of modern day or close to modern day soldiers who go on a, a, uh, a mission that's gonna take them 40 years of cryosleep to get to. And then they wake up and the galaxy's completely passed them by. And I thought that would be a cool idea to, to, to go after. Like what, what, what's going on? We kind of get to discover just how advanced things got together with them. So that was one part. The other part was I had this idea for Brody, who was just, I thought, a really funny, awesome AI, but I didn't have anywhere to put him. Like he didn't fit in Galaxy's Edge. Um, it wouldn't make sense for Brody to show up in Galaxy's Edge quoting Lethal Weapon movies. Um, But I thought, well, I think I can make it work here. So I gave him a stutter, um, basically conceptualized him as Optimus Prime meets Max Headroom, and just had fun. And I was like, hey, people are either going to think this is really funny, or this book's going to flop. And thankfully, people thought it was funny and enjoyed it. But, But that was it. It was just two ideas that uh, existed independently that i thought eh, hell why not it's it's a book one let's let's see if these work together and it ended <laughs> up being like peanut butter and tuna fish you know the combination that everyone loves and it's just fantastic
0: we need to get you a better culinary expert
1: and Should that's coming
2: out? from jr and his cooking sucks
1: oh no yeah no i i eat the same thing as any cat i don't feel like i'm better than a cat you know that's my mind am. what do you think you're better than a cat Yeah. And now I we know how
0: Hes- was born.
1: <laughs> what
0: and I said. Now we know how was born, and Weeb's everywhere will rejoice. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's that's what's uh, be,
0: before we jump into the uh, the series specifics. Can you tell us about how that uh, glorious cover came to be? So, did you draw it out yourself? Did you hire your kids? Did you beat up? Uh, oh, that's a, a photograph. Movie?
1: That's a photograph. I went to uh, the uh, Large Haldron Collider thing, and uh, there's like a little gate you're not supposed to step through, but if you and of throw your manuscript through it, it it turns it into, it, it basically finds the alternate reality. So then I just leaned forward just enough to put the phone in and took a picture and then got out and that's it. That's how I do all my covers.
0: <laughs> you heard it here first people, breaking news.
1: Yeah, don't right. you guys try it because this is a really hard facility to get into. I had to show ID, uh, I had to do all kinds of stuff to get inside that facility.
0: How many children were sacrificed for that image?
1: I mean in this reality none but apparently in some of the other realities that you can get to from the collider uh it's a bloodbath the aztecs win let's just put it that way
0: <laughs> All right so uh, we'll move on to the book itself and and have a moment of silence for those poor aztecs all right and their victims all right now we're going to move on so what would the 32nd elevator pitch for Wayward Galaxy be um
1: the 32nd elevator pitch okay hold on are we starting now or do we start the 30 seconds start from when I start giving the
0: pitch? When you start giving the pitch, we'll start the clock. This all is right, what we've already lost stuff. like 10
1: seconds. Um, all right. Okay, hold on. Let me just set my watch. Hey, Siri, set a timer for 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> and everyone watching, Siri just went off.
1: <laughs> so I've got 30 seconds. Well, 22 seconds wayward galaxy the concept is we've got rangers who are being sent off of earth because world war three is going really bad the government isn't sure if there's going to be anything left so they get sent on an accelerated mission to clear the way for colonists which to populate a planet something happens instead of arriving there on time oh that's 30 seconds well i hope you guys enjoy the book see you later (laughs)
0: All right, so what makes Wayward Galaxy special?
1: Uh, I think that what makes Wayward Galaxy special is the love I put into every word. And I think you can really feel it coming off the page. Um, A lot of times I just stop mid-sentence when I'm explaining something to write I love you to the reader, which does throw some people off, but I think most of the audience appreciates it. I love you guys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, you heard it here first again. We're we're all full of chock full of breaking. I want I
1: want I want all the breaking news to come on this show, Jr. We have, <laughs> I want them to hear everything first. I want you to so, say that ten more times.
0: So which us? Uh, which science fiction tropes do you feel like Wayward Galaxy hits the best?
1: Uh, definitely monkeys versus uh, squirrels. That's a huge trope, very popular in Japan. Uh, We got that one locked down with we were galaxy. Um, Good guys against bad guys. We went there, thought that that was one that, you know, who does that anymore? So we did that, good guys versus bad guys. Um, We did uh, freedom-loving American Rangers against evil communists. And that is a trope that actually is good and real. And Brody can't stand the commies um so we did that trope what other tropes um oh the one where you go to bed when you're 13 you're like i wish i was older and then you become like an adult that's the whole (laughs) second half of the book
2: pretty sure that's how jr aged
1: yeah that's true i was like big i (laughs) wish i was big and i had a podcast and now here we are
0: so, so, are there any subgenres that you think this story fits into the best? Clearly, not elven romance.
1: No, no, there's not much elven romance in elven. book. One. Uh, book two, though, any, anything's game. Uh, I, I'd say subgenres. Um, let's see here: colonization fiction, right? That's that's probably a good subgenre. Um, you know, urban fantasy. From a certain point of view, um self-help. Um uh, military science fiction would be the main genre, so maybe space marine would be a good subgenre, although they're 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 not marines, but I guess that's just everybody's a marine in space. Um there we go. I'd say that's that's most of them.
0: So you co wrote this with uh JN Cheney with Jeff. Mm -hmm. So, who approached you for this idea? How did that how that come out?
1: Um, we were hanging out um, uh, at his place in Las Vegas, uh, just kind of just just to just to have some time to to hang out. We became friends uh, because we both got popular. Uh, our writing got popular around the same time, and so it was kind of like we had this moment at a at a conference where we were kind of like, "Wow, I, I can't believe this is really happening to us." And he was having success with his um, Renegade series, I was having success with Galaxy's Edge. And so we just kind of uh, grew as friends from that. We were talking about projects we had, and we both had a had a story idea that involved the kind of ship going off, being late to the party and recovering from that. And so we said, okay, well, we could write two versions of this, right? Like I was gonna do mine solo um, and uh, and then he was gonna do his with whoever. Uh, but then we said, "Well, why do that? Let's just team up on this." And so, so we kind of outlined that. Um, I, I said, "Hey, I want to in- introduce this character called Brody. I think he's going to be really funny," and he was on board for that. And that's basically how that story idea got going and, and where it got
0: its legs. Awesome. All right, next question is you, Doc. Sorry so for can interrupting. Can you I was tell just curious.
2: us a bit about the main character in your novel and what makes that character? Unique in the crazy field of science fiction.
1: Yeah, right. So, you know, the the primary protagonist is named Reach, and um, he is um, like a a civil affairs guy. Uh, And so he's uh, he's kind of on this mission, not as a combat operative. Uh, but it's someone who's expected to work with the Rangers and make things work with the colonists and make things work uh, just just all throughout because they don't really know what they're going to be getting into. Um, he ends up getting enhancements as he goes, uh, gets some some powers and some uh, visual augmentation, uh, becomes a better shot, becomes a better runner, becomes stronger. And. Um, And so he's really kind of like
2: nanotech or.
1: Yeah, no, it's more like a like like the engineering, more like more like CRISPR stuff. Right. More like uh, genetic engineering combined with some um, nano level implants to give you that little bit of extra integration uh, with the other people and with the AIs uh that they're working with we've got an elon musk like uh scientist we call dr roman who ends up staying awake for most of the trip and so he leaves a relatively young man arrives a pretty old man um and so that's that's fun but but i mean i'd be lying if i said that anybody but brody is the star of the show he's kind of like he's (laughs) the (laughs) evangelical of this book right like he didn't write the series thinking they'd be a big oh that's a wait Probably everyone's too too young for so, that.
2: So he kind of stole the show from everybody he stole else.
1: Stole the show, absolutely he did. Yeah, and you I guess you can watch the classic American sitcom Family Matters if you're too young to get a Steve Urkel reference, but it's yeah. in my wheelhouse. Jr. Oh, no.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. See, in your wheelhouse, Siska.
2: Oh no, I watched yeah. Steve Urkel. I know. Okay.
1: All right, all right. We're all people of a certain age.
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh no, so. Were there any secondary characters who were especially memorable, or actually, who did Brody (laughs) upstar better? Yeah, well, you know, Richie upstar the second character, the secondary character after Brody stole stole the show.
1: Well, you know, we decided because this was just a project for fun, we decided to name the other AI like the. The high-functioning, good AI. We decided to name her Alexa, just so that we could mess with people's uh, Alexas, and it worked wonderfully. And so, I'd like to say that 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 she was a secondary character that people remember and curse.
2: Which- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can understand that. Luckily, I do not have an Alexa, so.
1: Well, you can call it computer. That's what I do. See, so I guess maybe Star Trek is a little bit more special to me than I let on. Yeah, computer. Oh, wait, no, if I tell it to play music, it, the podcast, will get taken down.
2: <laughs> That'll be a problem. So <clears throat> um, does your name story the, have...
0: What? Next in book two, you're going to hear it first. He's going to name the other computer Siri, so he can mess with everyone equally.
1: Oh, that's a great idea, JR. I am now.
2: <laughs> so glad I use Google, baby.
1: Okay, Google. <laughs> <laughs> So, Spy on me and sell my information to the Chinese.
2: I think that's what they all do, though. Um, so, does your story have bad guys in it that you, they can, they can, yes.
1: yes, communists. And they're called Rupak in this story. It's like the Russo. Uh, are they
2: alien communists?
1: Oh, they're, they're, they're communists. They're dirty, dirty commies. But they're are dirty, they dirty commies, actually, um, because they got to the planet a bit before the Rangers and things haven't gone well for them um, because, you know, they're just, pulled they're out of commies. the fields and Absolutely. yeah, they're commies. They're, they're fodder, cannon fodder. So RUPAC, the Russian Pacific Alliance, the idea is that China kind of uh, takes over Taiwan and all the other, uh, uh,
2: you mean all the places they've been trying you know, to All the
1: places it. that they want, they're looking at right now, kind of giving Australia the side eye, side eye and uh, well, it happens. And so um, that's the primary enemy because communists are just Nazis with better PR. And I don't feel like enough of them are being killed in today's literature.
2: So, speaking of the characters, if they ever met you in a back alley and they knew who you were, Mm -hmm. how happy would you be about that? And what would they do to you?
1: I think they'd be really happy because they made them so cool. I mean, I guess the bad guys might be upset, but all the main characters would be like, wow, you really (laughs) made me who I am. And I'd say, I know I did. And they'd say, I have such cool powers. And I'd go, I know, I thought of that. And they'd say, and look at this girl that I married. Isn't she amazing? And I'd say, she's wonderful. It's like she was made for you. And then they would probably lift me up on their shoulders and, like, say, hip, hip, hooray. It would be Aww. fun.
0: Unless they died because he killed them.
1: Well, then they would be corpses, wouldn't they? And they wouldn't be saying anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
0: unless they're in the other series and then the undead will rise again oh so, yeah, that was, yeah. Well, they might be talking so uh, now worry.
2: We're gonna, got them.
0: that's right so uh now we're going to give them a sneak peek on how the sausage is made so were there okay. any cool scenes or ideas that you had to cut from the final book that that you thought were really awesome and you, you maybe want to try to find a way to use some other time no that's never happened to me
1: all right I moving on anything uh everything always makes it into the book i write it perfectly the first time
0: okay i will, I will have Is to
1: fact
2: that was, him, yeah. man. Right.
0: yeah isn't that how everyone does it apparently um, I'm, I'm just a a, a failure because i have to cut things yeah no
1: you're writing too much you're working too hard jr writing all those <laughs> extra words
0: <laughs> so all right so what can you tell us about the universe so obviously um You've got the commies and you've got the, the Rangers and they go to this super cool place and they they you know play with Alexa. Hey Alexa, um we like you. Um uh, so what about the universe itself? In mini series, the universe itself is a protagonist. So so do you add a little bit of that element of man versus the the world to the story?
1: Uh, that starts to play out in the second book. In the first book, they're just securing uh their objective. Uh the second book They're starting to get an idea of where they are exactly. And uh, they they find out that the planet that they are having to colonize maybe isn't the safest place in the galaxy. Um, So that's that's kind of what happens in that second book. But yeah, um, it does play out like you say, JR. But uh, a big way we want to tell this story is uh, for the reader to discover what's going on at the same time as these Rangers, because, you know, the reader is connected to these people, you know, they, they have similar shared experiences. Um, and so we're not giving away anything to them ahead of time. We want the reader and the characters to kind of start to realize things at the same time, instead of giving you that glimpse of like, and here's what's coming around the corner. Watch out boys.
0: All right. So, Did you follow the the all-important trope and make every alien planet Canada? Um, Yeah, well, Canada
1: was uh, wiped off the map pretty early in this book. So um, if that happened to the other alien planets, we have to apologize to whatever species were living there at the time
0: all right we'll have a moment of silence for them all right so wayward galaxy is clearly part of a series i know because it says so on amazon and you've talked about there being currently two books out so is their story done from there or will there be more from these characters where do you see this universe going next
1: i mean the the publisher signed us to a six book deal after book one was so successful so unless (laughs) unless we want to you know have them yelling at us for the rest of our lives we've got to write at least Four more books if my math is correct. Yeah, four more books. Two He put. does
2: math like you do, JR. Well,
1: um, you know, he
0: could have been infantry. We'll make him an honorary brother.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I am going to just go ahead and sham the rest of the show. No, um, <laughs> That would make you a specialist, and
0: that comes in all <laughs> in molasses.
1: Okay. E4
2: so, so Mafia. Yes.
0: So when you say the publisher, did you talking specifically the audio publisher with Podium, or did you yeah actually the audio publisher
1: those? for Podium? Right, yeah they they're the ones that uh, that requested this 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 book um, th- this project uh, to to continue on when we kind of gave the idea. I think initially we thought we would just write a one shot. In fact, at the end of book one, we say, "Well, I hope you liked it. If you do, let us know, and maybe we'll write more." And thankfully, the readers actually did like it. And listeners too. And so they did write more and say, uh, yeah, they wanted more of that. So the plan is because this has got such a strong 80s movie vibe to it. uh, If you find, I think up for pre-order, if you find Wayward Galaxy 2, um, you can see it just says Wayward Galaxy 2. That's literally the name of the book. Um, The next book will be called Wayward Galaxy 3. And the next book, Wayward Galaxy 4. It's Perfect. If you've ever seen Lethal Weapon, you know what I'm talking about.
2: We don't do that with good books.
1: Oh, oh, we do uh, for Wayward right.
0: Galaxy. Book 2 is actually going to be the electric boogaloo. He just doesn't know. It. Yeah, oh, they're the special edition. Uh,
1: Wayward Galaxy 2 Brody's Boogaloo is the special edition hardcover.
0: Well, you heard it here first. That's number three. That might be the fourth thing i have broken. Oh, there you go. See, I do math like a grunt that I am. All right, Doc, next question is you.
2: Thank goodness. None of you have to count bodies or patients. Everything would be a mask out. We all know that every literary universe has its own internal consistent re- rules of technology. What sort of tech do you expect with these books? Spill the
1: beans. All right. So the concept here is twofold. Like one, there is the very near future tech uh, that, uh, the military is using, and so we we kind of cheated a little bit, and guessed that SIG Sauer would get the military's next contract. And so, like the M C X Spear and those rifles are the ones that uh, the Rangers are using. And then we gave some slightly more advanced tech that you can see around the corner, like Gauss guns and things like that. Um, but as as we discover more and see how much time goes on, then we may kind of venture into some more speculative fiction tech uh, as, as technology takes a leap and a bound. One of the interesting things I think is like we've seen a massive jump in technology since the industrial revolution. Like it's just, just the, the the chart just goes through the roof um, and everyone assumes that that's just going to keep happening, that you're just going to keep climbing. I tend to be in the in the mindset of the, there's going to be some significant breakthroughs, but we're also probably going to reach a point where
2: you plateau,
1: you plateau, you, you, you get about as advanced as you can get on something. Um, barring finding a way to you know, use magic and completely change physics. so, um, So I, I like for the sake of familiarity and just because I think that's the way things go, to keep things relatively close to a modern baseline
0: and maybe just turn it up to 11 or 12. But we all know if you put the word quantum in front of it, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I yeah. hate quantum.
2: <laughs> I had to take quantum mechanics. I hate that thing okay now that we're past that what tech uh, that you made for your universe would you have for your daily use and how would you abuse it
1: oh yeah well there's this uh well i mean assuming that i can't have a full brody battle suit right like hanging out with me and that might get annoying we we did like a next generation striker style vehicle which we called the badgers um which is kind of like batman's tumbler mixed with a striker mixed with um uh just like a, a humvee with extra grenade launchers and extra 50 cals. And then we said, well, let's put like an A-10s Vulcan gun on the front too. So it's like that. It's just kind of a fun vehicle. I would like to drive that to Costco and just see (laughs) people try to stop
0: me. No more (laughs) parallel parking for you. Just push the car out of the way.
1: Yeah, just drive right over the top. Badger doesn't care.
2: So do you have any aliens in your universe?
1: Um, you do have aliens in the sense that there is non-sentient wildlife on the planet. There's predators and things like that, but we do not have any aliens who are like, you know, sentient, sentient and take me to your leader.
2: How of your alien species, how did you go about creating them? Did you just go, I need a dog or, or
1: Mm. like, What did
2: you do?
1: I just randomly open like the Far Side comics and look and see what uh, Gary Larson did and see. You didn't
2: have your like youngest kid go draw me an animal that hunts.
1: Oh no, no, I don't do that. You know they always come up with the same thing, and it's just like I, Galaxy's Edge got 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 that, and so I figured with Wayward Galaxy we try a different approach.
2: My son would just come up with Pokemon.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, that's that's what the cubes were. They're just Pokemon.
0: All right. You heard it here first. That's number two dozen and 12. I'm
1: breaking so many stories, JR. I hope you're putting this on Twitter so that you can really be first.
0: <laughs> Wait, Twitter's still around? <laughs> I didn't know it was still a thing. Here, I thought it had fallen into the sun already.
2: No! Twitter is still around because birds like to tweet.
0: Yeah. I have no idea. We're going to just go with that. All right. So... <laughs> Did you asked me, Jr.
1: What, what do you got? Come on, bring it.
0: All right, so you were uh, <laughs> answered the questions a lot quicker than we thought you would because normally this would be about like an hour mark, but that's okay because you know sometimes it's it's fine to be you know on point and answer the questions exactly. So, I mean, uh, it's been
1: 55 minutes, Jr. I don't think you know there's that big of a gap here,
0: 45 <laughs> I got the little timer. So clearly this interview is winding down on account of you answered all of our questions. Wait, 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 we
2: forgot to ask him. Is there anything else you would like to tell us about the Wayward Galaxy universe?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about Wayward Galaxy that we didn't ask before we move on?
1: Okay, I'm going to act surprised like I didn't hear that this question was coming oh well, hey that's man what a great question i hadn't thought about that oh ah boy things about wayward galaxy that i would tell people while stalling for time so that the show wasn't too short and <laughs> then people would be happy to hear it um you know i really think the fun thing about wayward galaxy is that it blends the kind of action, combat, gritty combat that people are used to with Galaxy's Edge and have come to enjoy, uh, with a more lighthearted sort of fun AI. And and my favorite part about writing a uh, writing Wayward Galaxy was all of the write-offs. I mean, I I bought so many movies from the 1980s and wrote them off for research. You understand, <laughs> and I quote those movies liberally throughout the show, and so. Um, there's a great scene in Wayward Galaxy where Brody is trying to communicate how capable of a warbot he is, and he does it by using only titles from Steven Seagal movies. And I feel like anybody who reads that and appreciates it is worth calling a friend. And so if you read Wayward Galaxy and, and you get all those jokes and, and you, you, you say, I remember that movie. I remember those things. then then welcome, welcome to the galaxy.
2: This is definitely a mill sci-fi with humor involved in
1: it. It totally is. I hope it gets nominated for a Dragon Award and I hope it wins. And I hope it beats other people who have been nominated many times so that they can (laughs) continue to not win.
0: So, um, you know, this book you know, it was uh, narrated by, by RC Bray. It but was, we all know every star burns out eventually, and maybe his time has come. So, how much would a reader have to pay to get you to come to their house and read it to them in the voices you've done today? Oh, I would love, love to a do career?
1: that. I'd love to do that. They wouldn't have to pay much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's mainly just the drive more than anything else. But if they want to come to my house, I typically sit on my porch and read my works to whoever wants to listen. And it's usually a pretty empty yard, but I mean, I'm not gonna stop just because there's no crowd. I didn't stop when people didn't read my first book, JR. I kept writing.
0: All right, and so because you wrote this with Jeff and Cheney, will there Mm -hmm. be a Foxy Stardust crossover? No, there won't
1: because of various branding and uh, IP and trademark and copyright things. There will be no crossover, unless it's in like a comic book. Because I think those sell well, <laughs> like like when Batman fights Wolverine and somehow wins, <laughs> and people go, "No, that's not how it would happen." All right, or so they try to is out that a dirigible?
2: In. That looks like a dirigible.
1: Oh okay. yeah, it's a space dirigible.
2: I love dirigibles because it's a fun
1: Heavy hauler. It's a it's a non combat craft that was designed to transport material from the colony ship down to the planet's surface to make preparation for the colony ship's eventual landing, because the ship then doubles as, uh, as the first sort of colony pieces. Um, it also, you know, it's like a government ship, sort of like there's a bunch of people, there's a lot of money on the table, and everybody with a bunch of buttons and, and brass and, and, and things on their shoulders. Like, well, can we make it do this? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And they just keep adding on it. So that's what the heavy hauler is. It's it's a hauler, but it also delivers the Rangers. And what you see down below are the dirty, dirty Rupak waiting to ambush our heroes.
0: But wait, there's more next week on... Um...
1: Next week on As
0: the Galaxy Turns. <laughs> so... Clearly, you know you've got like three dozen kids, and they want to go play their their baseball league. So mm-hmm. we can't keep you forever. So Jason, can you tell everybody how they can find you on the wild wild interwebs?
1: Yes, yes. Well, first off, you have to send me Bitcoin, and uh, I, I believe Jr. <laughs> is going to put my wallet key up for you to send Bitcoin on. Once I receive at least point zero 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 one Bitcoins. Then you will get a clue, a series of clues, actually, each one more nefarious than the last, which will lead you to my email address. You email me at my email address. I reply with a physical mailing address. You write me a letter, and <laughs> then I read the letter and I send a letter back to you. On that letter will be where to find one of my alt Twitter accounts. You follow that account once, unfollow, follow it a second time unfollow again. Follow it the third time. I will follow you back and direct message you a second alt Twitter account. But this one, you don't follow. I just know that you see it. At that point, I write you another letter. And then you get to meet me. And then in person, I hand you the URL to my
0: website. And I've been doing that since 1987. I believe it. And uh, when do they send the uh, self-addressed stamp envelope with the uh, cereal tops?
1: Uh, that just goes to our normal P.O. box. We have we have people that do that. I don't I do know all that stuff.
0: You're minions. All I'm right. a
1: busy man, JR. Do you know how long right. it takes to do all that crap with the Twitter and the following to give people my email address? It takes a long time.
0: All <laughs> right. You can follow us on our website. Uh, anchor.fm, backslash uh, anchor.fm backslash Blasters tech, and Blades. Anchor.fm backslash Blasters, Tack, and Tack Blades. Our Twitter is twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. And if you want to throw a little bit of money in the tip jar to help keep the lights on, BuyMeACoffee.com me com backslash slash author jr hanley and in the comment section put for the podcast and uh how much to get seska to keep dancing cuz i see you in the corner of the screen what's your myspace guys <laughs> you <laughs> know some some high school kids brought it back apparently so tom could be our friend again
1: hey i, I don't that know totally left. creepy at all what was your song jr on myspace what was your song that played when people came to your page
0: i don't remember i don't know if i ever had one
1: uh, it was probably Rico Suave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Doc, bring us home.
2: Okay. Obviously, I'm too young to have that. So thank you for spending your precious time for, with us. For the absentee carb- comic artist, Nick Garber, J.R. Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blade podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom, and making fun of Jr.